franchising is the most misunderstood and most overlooked form of entrepreneurship. We're here to educate you and help you find the entrepreneur within. Franchising is not all about the French fries. We find that individuals who are exploring business ownership tend to have a lot of misperceptions and misunderstandings about the franchise industry. So what we want to do is help prospective business owners make confident and educated decisions before moving forward or not moving forward with a business. Welcome to Unpredicted Entrepreneur. Hi, welcome to episode 25 of Unpredicted Entrepreneur. I'm Roxanne Rapsky, and this is my colleague, Sarah Wasco. We created this podcast to bring you education and information about entrepreneurship and all things franchising. Sarah and I today have a very diverse clientele, I would say. We've got people from all different age groups, all different backgrounds, I think people are starting businesses younger today than they did back when we got into business originally. Uh, I would say that our guest today is very representative of our typical client when we first got into business. We didn't see a lot of women starting businesses 15 years ago. Um, so I would say Bill represents our typical client, that high-level executive that had been in corporate America running businesses for 20 or 30 years, and then got to a point where something happened and a change needed to be made or wanted to be made. So Bill, why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners, give us a little bit about your background, and then Sarah and I will jump into some questions for you. Sure. Well, first off, thanks for having me today. Yes. It's a pleasure of spending time with you, Roxanne and Sarah. Um, my story goes back a few decades. I've been leading businesses for, for many decades. Uh, but actually started off, uh, maybe it's kind of humorous, actually started off working in a chocolate factory, making Raisinets and Goobers for oh. all of North America, the sole production site. Uh, had a lot of fun doing that, but also realized kind of broader business was my passion. So I went back to business school and really got into my career in earnest after that. Um, actually, many different chapters, quite different uh, about every decade. Much of the first decade I spent working uh, on strategy and acquisitions uh, for a large public company, a Fortune 100 company. Uh, so I was doing a lot of ac acquisition work and strategy and um, acquiring typically smaller companies to add to our existing portfolio of companies. Uh, and then decided I wanted to move back to Texas and found an opportunity working uh, here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area for a large private family company. And they hired me to lead their water treatment business. And water treatment is a really a specialty chemical business uh, where we have, we had about 15,000 account locations all across North America where we help them run their building systems. So especially chemicals runs, is used in air conditioning and heating systems. And it's really a high uh, business to business services activity. Uh, quite successful in growing that. Uh, we had about 500 people all across the United States and Canada uh, toward the end. Uh, quadruple the profits of the business over that decade uh, and had quite a successful uh, transition out of that business about a year and a half ago. So at that point, I was um, confronted with well, what to do next. I'd worked in very different uh, businesses and roles. Uh, I was a president for 25 years of three different businesses um, and thought about going back to do that again. So wait, I have a question for you, because you sure. said that position was eliminated. So was that business sold, and then your position was eliminated, or? No, it was uh, the, the company, it was one large division of several within the, the corporation. And when uh, 
probably about a quarter into the COVID pandemic, uh, some of the other businesses were really struggling. Uh, and so the company went through a bit of a reorganization and gotcha. eliminated my position. Okay. And so it was something that uh, we did very well. We, we parted friends. Uh, they took care of me in, in the exit. And so it gave me the opportunity to, to not rush into the next endeavor, to really think about what I wanted to do and, and step back and think about it and uh, make a good choice for my next step. So that's when you started looking at your options. Right. So I started looking at my options. Um, I'm curious, did you consider retirement? Only briefly, only very okay. briefly, because I, at, at the time I was 55. Um, it, it was, um, I, I want to work, I enjoy business, I enjoy working. And so it really wasn't a strong consideration. But ultimately, one of the key things that I did conclude was that I, I wanted to have a better balance in my life. And uh, I worked really hard uh, for a long time, for decades, um, did very well. The businesses did very well. I took a lot of responsibility and felt a lot of obligation to the business thriving and, and, and really providing livelihood for hundreds and hundreds of families that worked in those businesses. And so it was very satisfying, but, but I also decided it was time for me to, to step back and, and not be working that hard and spend a little more time balancing my life, both my health, uh, my family, um, vacation time. Uh, so those things became more important. And, and frankly, I found that uh, business was, was a lot of fun leading the business, but there's also challenges in things that were not always ideal with the number of employees, employee matters, um, those things that uh, there's a lot of ups and downs with that. I decided I really wanted something that didn't have a lot of employees uh, and those challenges. Uh, ultimately, I didn't want to have something that was uh, fixed assets, large intensive assets that I'd be responsible for if I, I was thinking about buying a business, buying a smaller business of my own. So but, you looked online like BizBen or BizBuySell or, or do you started working with a broker and looking at existing businesses? I started sale, looking right? at exi existing businesses, existing yeah. standalone businesses. Um, I also, the industries that I worked in, there's a lot of smaller companies out there that, that um, are not infrequently are sold. And so there was that possibility of working in a similar industry than to what I was in, smaller family-owned businesses. And so I did think about uh, investing in that and then rolling up a couple of those smaller companies as, as something I, similar I had done in the past for, for others. So that what you said um, kind of just struck a chord with me when you were considering businesses in similar industries to your experience. That's kind of a common thread among people who are exiting corporate America is seeking out other opportunities with whatever their experience or background is. So mm -hmm. you can share more about how you got to where you are now, but um, was that kind of your thought process or mindset as if I'm going to buy an existing business, then perhaps I need to go down this path because this is where I have experience and expertise and knowledge? Well, that, that was some of the early thinking that I'm familiar with it. I, I know there's lots of potential companies out there. Um, I, I know a lot of people in the industry, so suppliers to the industry, customers in the industry. So I had a lot of familiarity with that. So it, was, it, it certainly reduces the risk, reduces the risk of making that type of investment. And Absolutely, going into that. sure. And, and also from, from talking with different private equity firms, um, they, were, they were looking for investments. So they were strongly encouraging me to find a company I want to buy and, and bring it to them. And then they would be interested in supporting me to buy it. Mm -hmm. 
But that also is not quite the same as buying your own business and, right. and being able to set your own agenda. There's yes. a little bit more of an expectation and uh, partners that are investors with you in that situation. Uh, but I also wanted to have a little bit more flexibility and freedom. So my next step was really looking at consulting. So I did some specialty consulting initially uh, for a couple smaller firms, uh, people that I had known in the past from past career uh, roles I had. And thought, well, maybe I'll structure a, a, a work that's working with two or three at a time, two or three consulting engagements, you know, half time or quarter time with with multiple partners doing that. Um, and then then I found well, I need to create a lot of content. I have to do a lot of support work doing the consulting. And it happened at the same time to start talking to a franchise consultant, and. Um, just somewhat just on a whim, had several conversations to learn more about franchising. I really didn't know much about franchising at all. I was going to ask, had you even thought about a franchise as a path that you might be interested in taking after you started this process of, of what's next? Not initially. You know, the, the <laughs> most first, people don't. Yeah, you know, the first right. six months, yeah. it wasn't something that entered my mind. Yeah. But I think, like most people, I often thought of food franchises and food-related yes. establishments as being franchises. Yep. So it wasn't top of mind for me. But I was aware of it, and that's why I did return the phone calls or the contact and explore more to try to learn more about what is it and what's the breadth of what might be possible in franchising. So I, I, so I found that more appealing the more I did my due diligence on that. Um, and I wasn't finding something that was exciting as exciting to me in buying a business. Just a little more commitment and being tied down more to buy a business that's an existing manufacturing or business services company. What surprises did you find? You, you said you really didn't consider franchising, and then as you started learning more, you got more interested. Was, is there anything now that kind of stands out to you that was an aha moment when you first started this or a surprise to you? I'd say part of the aha was was realizing that there's a lot of different franchises out there. I mean, thousands. I was just blown away by the number of different business concepts and business brands that were out there. That are not sandwiches and French fries. Yes, not right? food related or in yogurt. any way. Yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> and the other thing that I realized very quickly was each franchise has a different expertise and support they provide to you. Yes. And then you provide something else to make that business successful. And so depending on the franchise, it could be they might provide sales and marketing support for you and lead generation for you. Other ones, you're providing the service and they're doing other aspects of it. Um, so it just you really have the opportunity to assess, well, what do you really want to be doing with your time as the owner, as the franchisee? And so that's, that's where I started to discriminate and consider different options, different franchising options. So you said something else that just stood out to me. What do you, as the owner, want to be doing with your time? So it wasn't as much about what does the franchise offer or what is the end product of the franchise, but it's the role of the owner and what did you want to be doing? That's, that's the approach that I took. Good. I, I looked at it as I've, I've done many different um, chapters in my career. I, I was not one who stayed in the same industry, same types of roles. I was very different from big industrial public company to technology to medical device to business services. And so I was looking for something different. And I, I'd had experience in so many different industries where my role was very different in each one of them. 
And so I had the opportunity to, to really step back and think about what do I want to spend my time doing. And so I, I really decided I, I really did not want to spend my time managing a lot of people. And it's a personal choice, but I, I just didn't want to spend a lot of time managing a lot of um, lower skilled or semi-skilled employees. Which is perfectly okay. There's no right or yeah. wrong answer to any of those questions about what you want to do in a business. Right. It's what you personally want to spend your time doing. Right. And that, that's kind of what I concluded, that this is a great avenue to explore franchising because I can choose what are the, what are the things I'm doing with my time. And so you know, personnel management, personnel issues, I wanted to minimize those from a, kind of me having to deal with those. Not to say it's not important in what I do today, but it's for others, helping them manage the personnel issues and building right. the team. Uh, I didn't want to be tied down to a lot of fixed assets or infrastructure. In my case, we always had manufacturing plants. We always had assets to be investing in, um, software investments. I wanted a business that was asset light, that was not asset intensive at all. And so that was kind of one of my criteria, not to be asset heavy uh, for, the, for the business. Um, and, and I wanted to do something where I was actually providing a value, a valuable service. And so I looked at the business as I wanted a franchise where I'm not just working on the business, but I'm working in the business. Okay. And I always enjoyed teaching and developing my team. Um, I always, always tried to make sure I was developing that person's, person's career with experience, getting them in the right job that they had the capabilities for, um, and developing and teaching people that were part of my staffs. And so that just resonated with me. I started learning about business coaching, which I do now. It's, it, it resonated with me that that is something I'd been doing for decades with my employees, with my staff, even with customers, helping them solve problems in, in their business and in their, their careers. So to me, that was, a big, that was a great fit where a big part of what I do today is training, coaching, teaching, uh, and helping people be more successful, helping them get their business to be more successful. So those were all key criteria for me. I also, when I stopped working and had time to reflect on life, I, I realized that I was out of balance on my own health, that I was healthy, but I was probably borderline with blood pressure that was a little bit high. Uh, my weight was, was uh, somewhat too high, far too high for my size, even though it didn't show. But my first many months off, I decided to get, get on top of that and improve that. And I ended up losing 60 pounds over eight months. Uh, wow. My annual checkup, the doctor was quite surprised how healthy <laughs> I was and no questions about heart medication or not, blood pressure medication or not, clean bill of health, um, lost 60 pounds. I've kept it off for nine months now. So let's back up a little bit because you went, you, you, you were able to do that, but there's a how you were able to do that, right? Because you have, you chose a business that gives you flexibility, which most people do have when they start their own business. Right. So you had more, more personal time, more flexibility. Well, you it get, started from my, when I wasn't working full time, gotcha. double time. Right. And could step okay. back from the business and took some vacations. For my wife and I, the, the pandemic months were, were not bad when it came to low-cost airfares and hotels and things <laughs> like that. And when I didn't have a job to be going to and checking in every day, so we took advantage of that. That's <laughs> wonderful. And sometimes I hear people 
say that during that time off, pandemic or not, but they they have more time, they can do things they enjoy, exercise, focus on health, travel, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. So if there is an opportunity to go back to a job, if if they don't know if they're going to do business ownership or a job or whatever, some people are anxious to get back. They need that structure and that schedule. But others tell me, wow, I've been off. I've had this flexibility. I've enjoyed this control over my own schedule. Now I don't know how I did that rigor of corporate America for 30 plus years. And I don't know that I'm capable and I'm pretty sure I'm not interested (laughs) in going back to trying that again. So it sounds like you were the latter where you had really enjoyed that time and felt like. I was the latter that I I enjoyed the time. I enjoyed the balance. I enjoyed being able to get out and exercise for an hour every day. I enjoyed traveling for a week, a month, uh, someplace, uh, often to visit family in Pennsylvania or Florida uh, or Colorado uh, and, and working on my health and, and the exercise and the better diet uh, made a world of difference. And so that helped continue me down that path of, um, okay, I'm not going to buy a company. I'm not going to go uh, work in corporate role again. Uh, I'm going to go into this coaching business and have that flexibility. And, and the nice thing with this is I work with anywhere from six to 10 different um, business leaders at a time. It's, it's an hour and a half a week on a Zoom call with them, helping them with their biggest challenges. And it's, it's 10 different people during that week. So I get a great variety of business challenges and opportunities to make an impact with 10 different businesses and 10 different leaders. Versus in the past, it was one business, one team, um, more lengthy involvement to, to deliver on the initiatives that we're driving. Uh, now it's eight to 10 different initiatives that are being driven every week. So it's exciting also. So it's exciting work to be working with these entrepreneurs and, and business leaders of small businesses. So let's talk about that a little bit too, because you know, going back to all of your experience and your expertise and thinking about consulting, mm-hmm. um, what Sarah and I hear a lot when we show someone a franchise is, do I really need a franchise for that? Couldn't I just do that on my own? And you certainly had the knowledge and the skill set to do it on your own. Why didn't you do it on your own? I, I did think about that, and, and I started down that path. Mm-hmm. So I started with uh, consulting engagements, right? just not with a consulting firm, but just my own consulting and drawing on my, my experience going to the Harvard Business School and, and the cases and just the training I had there and running businesses for you know, 30 years. Um, but, but I found that uh, I, I, missed, I missed being part of an affiliation or an organization. And I, and I also valued um, the, the content and support they provided to me in, in two areas. One, just some of the more personal marketing support and methods of getting known and how to interact with owners to, to get them to raise their hand, to ask for the help. So there's, there's kind of a marketing and outreach that they provide a lot of training and experience that others had already gone through. I could draw on that. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of content. When it comes to running a business, there's, there's so many different things that can be worked on that can be issues for a business to overcome. And, and many things I've dealt with myself in the past, but also that can be challenging to put together materials to teach the person about that. I can share my experiences, but... By having a franchise support behind me, they had a lot of content already developed in a way in an, I'd almost call it bite-sized chunks, 
where in preparation for our weekly meeting, working on a particular issue, I could provide some, some pre-work to my client, provide that information to them, has an exercise that goes with it for them to relate it to their business and their situation. And then our, my time with that client is highly focused on, mm. okay, what does this mean for your business? If we're talking about, say, key customers or key customer attributes or who your customers should be versus who they are, then our, our discussion is, is very meaty, very in-depth based on being able to provide that to them in advance and them to be prepared for a meaty discussion on what to do with their business. So I think the content support was very valuable in my mind as a way of not having to create things myself. It was more of, okay, this is what I want to talk about with him. So I think this would be very helpful to that person, reviewing the content that's available from my company's library and drawing on those key pieces that would support our, our actions and identifying actions to take. So, so to me, it was the right mix. It was, it was worth having uh, two things. One, the broader affiliation. There's 250 coaches like me all across the world. Um, you get some expertise in certain sectors I'm not familiar with. I can call them and, and draw on their expertise. The content that the, the franchise provides to me that I can deliver to meet my clients' biggest challenges and biggest opportunities. Uh, and then some of the, um, I have a coach for my business. So some of it is the kind of the coaching support for me on yeah, everybody could use a coach is what I've discovered right. <laughs> that, that you can, you can be held accountable. It helps to be accountable. It helps to have somebody to bounce your ideas off of and what's working, what's not working. And so being part of this, this franchise provided that to me, that support of a person I could reach out to, I could consult with, um, so that's kind of those three things that made it valuable for me to join the franchise as opposed to going it alone and uh, being my own independent consultant. Well, and you made a really good point that I think a lot of people miss when they consider a franchise. They don't consider what a benefit the other franchisees are in the system. Right. What I was just going to say is you really mm -hmm. totally described the franchise model from the perspective that you're in business for yourself, but not by yourself. Yes. So yes, you have, so. you have the ability to set your own schedule and decide when you're going to meet with those clients and decide how hard you want to work. Basically, you know, everybody yes. kind of has different goals and expectations. You enjoy travel and family time. And so maybe replacing your income wasn't top priority for you. Um, for some people, it's all about how much money they can make. For other people, they're in a new phase in life where they don't need to make as much money, but they want to contribute and they want to be involved in business. And so they can evaluate their options and determine how they want to spend their time, how they want to um, invest their resources to grow their business, but still achieve the other goals that they're seeking to accomplish. Um, and you learned, I think, from your explanation of the consulting piece that being an independent business owner can get a little bit lonely. Yes, it, very much so. So, so me, that was appealing, to be part of a broader organization. And I have weekly calls with, with about a half a dozen coaches, just checking in for an hour a week. I spend... Um, but every two weeks, I get on the phone for some time with my coach. Uh, ironically, my coach is based in Australia. Wow. Interesting. So the great thing about this, the coaching business, I found, is 
I can coach people almost anywhere in the world. Now, time zones are a little bit of a challenge for us. Yeah. But like, for instance, right now, I have clients locally in the DFW area. I also have a client up in Chicago and a client out in the West Coast. So, and they all work very well, very, very easily uh, communicate with them and, and work with them, even though I haven't seen the West Coast one in person yet. So. Well, which also means that you can do your job from anywhere in the world. Absolutely. So you don't have to have your butt in a seat in DFW in an office somewhere. You can do it from the Rocky Mountains or yeah, wherever, right? And Where I have a week of skiing in Colorado in March. <laughs> a week I, motorcycle riding in the Smoky Mountains this past week. And a week, uh, 4th of July, I'll be in Florida. I very easily can continue working with my clients from those places. And yeah. they're... Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. <laughs> go. I was just going to say, I think we've been remiss in explaining what we've talked about coaching, but your business is called Focal Point Business Coaching. And hopefully we have, um, just even through this, helped people understand the broad mix of business businesses that are available. You've shared what it is about Focal Point that's been appealing to you and why it was a good fit. Just curious what else you considered if you kind of remember some of the other options and sure. some of the things right. that maybe were appealing about those, um, but how you kind of narrowed down to focal point. I think you've explained why it's a good yeah. fit, but just curious about what else you considered kind of in comparison. Sure, sure. And the way you paraphrase that, I realized there's one other thing I, I didn't articulate, and that is I thought of consulting as more narrow in scope than being part of the franchise, I now have a broader scope of what I can provide to my clients. So it's not just coaching the CEO. There's a lot of training materials that I can provide and actually do training, employee training, as opposed to coaching is more helping them make decisions. Training, actually providing training and sales training and other things like that. And, um, and you and don't then, have to create that content. Right. So that content's already there. I can deliver it. Uh, and then, it, then there's also executive coaching. I never really had thought about executive coaching kind of functional leaders or um, division managers, uh, but that is part of the scope. So they provide some different material to address those types of roles as opposed to just the owner or the president. So just the kind of broader, broader offering I could provide to my clients by being affiliated with the franchise. So I, I did look at probably about seven different franchises at a high level, more um, just trying to get a, a feel for what's out there. So I looked at some, one I looked at was, um, it was a, a gutters installation business, um, doing quite well from what I could uh, research. Uh, but there was, there was some drawbacks in that it was a specific geography. That would be my geography for that business. Yep. I'd be investing in trucks and crews that would be going out doing installation work. Um, to make it worth my while, it'd be more build up two or three territories, you know, five to eight trucks, crews. Um, and I, I felt like it'd be much more um, tying me down, both capital investment I'd be making, but also all the people involved in the business. It just it seemed like it'd be a little bit more um, restricting on me to do that. But didn't it feel good to at least look at that so that you, sometimes I tell people when you rule some, one thing out, it just kind of gives you more confidence and the other one, I'm not sure maybe you would have felt as confident in focal point or the path that you chose 
if you hadn't had something else to compare it to. Oh, yeah, yeah, very much so. And then that's how I, I really started to dawn on me that there's, there's different things that different franchises provide. And, yes. and you plug in to provide other things. And so by looking at six or seven, in some, some depth, I, I really started to get a better appreciation for kind of what's my role as a franchisee with this brand and what's their role as a franchisor with this brand. So yeah. it became much more clear as I talked to each different franchise, what was their role, what was my role, um, and just to get familiar with the, all the franchising documentation and, and <laughs> yes. not, things all- to read and understand <laughs> going into it. So that kind of, I, I actually went through detail on about three. Okay. So I could understand Good. the differences and the similarities. Because doing due diligence on franchise disclosure documents for seven brands would be way too many. Yeah, that's way too, too many. many. Yeah, I, daunting. Daunting for I, sure. I, I narrowed it down, and I did I guess three of the kind of one day uh, briefings uh, to understand in more detail. Uh, I looked at a like an oil change franchise that was making a big push into DFW. Um, that was interesting, but again, the, the capital intensity of it was not attractive. The whole change, the dynamics and the strategy of going from traditional cars to electric vehicles made it somewhat uncertain. So just a number of things that didn't appeal. Uh, one that I did look at was more related to forming, it was business related, uh, forming advisory boards mm-hmm. uh, and, and doing uh, kind of advisory uh, facilitating advisory boards of business leaders. I looked at that, but I, I always enjoyed more working closely, very intimately with a, a leader one-on-one and being able to tailor things to what their unique needs were as opposed to facilitating discussion amongst a number of CEOs. So that was one of my finalists. Um, another one had to do with uh, cost savings. So in that case, a company that specializes in, in looking at uh, overhead costs for for you know, medium to larger businesses. Uh, there's there's so many different automatic payments and charges that companies pay these days, uh, from credit card fees to uh, you know trash hauling to you name it. Yeah. And so that had more similarity to the private yes. water treatment business that I was in, providing services. Yes. And so I looked at that, but it was the difference was it was much more of a sales position, kind of selling your way into the account. And then drawing on someone else who provides the expertise on you know, what's an appropriate trash hauling bill or cost, what's an appropriate um, you know, structure of your uh, utility bills, other utilities. I, I really didn't want to become an expert in utility bills or <laughs> things like that. I was like, wasn't my interest. And I didn't want to just be selling the service. So I was looking for, I wanted to be actually delivering, working in the business, providing the coaching. And of course, part of it, some of it is finding the right people that really want to move their business forward. So, so that was part of the criteria. I wanted to deliver the service, not be farming that out to an expert, like really a functional, very precise expert in a different category. So speaking of people that want to move their businesses forward, if somebody wanted to get a hold of you in your focal point business, how would they do that? How would they reach out to you? Very easy. My, my website is Bill Bolton dot focalpointcoaching.com also can be reached at b bolton b b o l t o n at focalpointcoaching.com is my email address um, the other way is my phone number 972-273-0005 great so any of those three ways um, 
on the website. You can schedule an appointment right there that's convenient for you, and we'll get on the phone and talk about uh, what your opportunities and challenges are and uh, the ways that I might be able to help you with that, either resources or me personally working with you as a coach. Well, thank you, Bill. We appreciate you coming on and telling us all about your experience and about your focal point business. And Yes, thank you so much for taking time out of your day. You've really given us a good um, example of how you were able to take your skills that you gained in your corporate career and transfer those over and utilize those in a business of your own. So that concludes our podcast for today. Thank you so much for joining us. Again, I am Sarah Wasco. This is my colleague, Roxanne Rapsky. You can find Unpredicted Entrepreneur anywhere where you um, get your podcast. You can also find us on our YouTube channel at FranNet of Dallas, Fort Worth, and Oklahoma. Thanks again for joining us. Have a great day. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah and Roxanne.